Hey there, Founder family. By now you figured out I'm not Eric, and that's a good thing because I'm a little, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm not mad either because I'm not a twig. So, uh, if you're wondering who I am, my name is Josh Harrington. I am a friend of Eric's, a friend of Matt's, a friend of many of you here at the Foundry. Uh, yeah, just introducing myself. Again, I'm Josh Harrington. I have grown up in this area. I used to work in the same youth ministry that Eric worked at. In fact, I was brought up under Eric as one of his mentors, uh, took over the ministry, uh, the youth ministry he used to lead. Uh, so you're like, great, just another Eric crony. Kind of, uh, maybe, hopefully not. Uh, I, I like to think I have a little bit different of a style. I think I'm more like Erica. We're both nerds. And she's okay with me saying that. We love scripture. We love nerding out over scripture and stuff like that. It's also why we pick on each other a lot. So if you see us picking on each other, it's okay. It's because we love each other. Uh, I, I've known Eric and Erica for a long time. Like I said, I've grown up in this area. My whole family lives in this area. I am married, as you can see, uh, to my wife, Danielle, of seven, almost eight years. Uh, we have three kids. Uh, our, so our house is full. Uh, our oldest, Everett, is four. Our middle, Ellery, is two. And we just recently welcomed our youngest, youngest Easton, uh, this past December. Uh, so he's about a month old. So our house is extremely busy. Uh, you, as you can imagine, it's, it's crazy. But it's fun, it's wonderful, and I'm just excited to be here with you. Uh, I'm excited to to enter into this new year with you, enter into this this new experience. When I heard what this year would entail for Foundry and, and I heard where we were beginning as a church learning about uh, seeking God's wisdom, I was thrilled because there is no better place to start a new year. There's no better place to start a new beginning that a new year brings us than into taking moments to refocus and to figure out what is my way and what is actually God calling me to. And so today I'm thrilled to join with you in learning together how do we seek wisdom? How do we, how do we seek God's will and wisdom for our life? What are the tools that we put in our backpack, as Eric mentioned last week, that, that get us to a place where we are constantly seeking and going after God's wisdom for our life and God's will for our life? I think of the verses that many of us read this week in our wisdom books, our devotions for the year, which if you haven't grabbed that book yet, please do so today. Uh, when you have a chance, grab them. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to read through Scripture together this whole year. But we read these words out of Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. That is our ultimate goal in seeking his wisdom is to have health and nourishment for our bones, to have the life to the fullest that God has intended for us in Jesus Christ. But in order to do that, we have to grow and we have to adapt. And if we're honest, doing that, not leaning on our own understanding, 
It's not, not the easiest thing in the world. So my, my middle, I said, is two, Ellery. She's amazing. She's adorable, cute little curls, just awesome. She's awesome. But she's also two, right? She, she's two, and she's very strong-willed, which is a good thing until it's not. Uh, so she has built up a routine, right? She has a way of life in her mind that is good. For instance, we somehow got her into this routine that the moment she wakes up, it's time for breakfast. I get out of bed, I get downstairs, I get in my chair, and I'm expecting to eat right then and there. That is the routine, the way that she sees life each and every morning. That's what she expects. That's what's good to her. So when now that we have a one-month-old in the house and he's been up every hour and she gets up and we're like, just, just chill on the couch for a little bit. Mom and Dad just want a little bit of rest, please. And we say, no, just go sit on the couch. No breakfast yet. Oh, oh, the world is all of a sudden crumbling and she lets us know that in the tears and the rolling on the floor and the tantrum because her way of life is now completely upset. Or we're we're trying to get her to potty train, right? All she knows is diapers. All she knows is that, hey, if I gotta go, I can just go. And that's good, that's right, that is the way of life. And now mom and dad are telling me that I have to sit on this thing and go in there? It's a fight, it's a a battle in the house. Because a routine has been built up in her mind, a, a way of life that is good and right according to her. And what I love about kids is that kids really are a pure form of who we are. A pure form is of us as adults because we would like to say that we don't throw tantrums when we don't get our way, that we don't get angry and fight and battle when our way of life doesn't go the way we think it should. But we all know that's not true. When an employee walks into your office... And says, hey, boss, this just isn't working well. What, what we've been doing is not right. It's not good. I think we should change things. I, I, I have to believe uh, there's a part of us that would say, you're crazy. Get out of my office. Who do you think you are? I've been doing this for this way for so many years. Or, or a new coach shows up to coach your team, and that coach tries teaching you all new techniques, different from what you've known all your life. You don't go, well, this is great. No, you go home, and you're like, Mom, Dad, this coach doesn't know what he's doing. They're teaching us this all the wrong way. I already know how to do that, and I know how to do it well. This coach is crazy. Or a group of people make a claim that racism still exists in the United States, and it oppresses a large population of our country. 
well, that can't be right. They're crazy. They're wrong. That doesn't fit with my view of life. That doesn't fit with what I think is right and good. I look around me and I don't see it, so it can't be right. They're wrong. They're crazy. They're evil. Or a virus comes and flips our world upside down, shutting down all that we think is good and right. Seemingly taking away from us that which we deserve. And instead of being like, well, it is what it is, we fight. Sometimes even physically fight. We fight with words. We fight with anger. We get angry and we push back because our way of life is right and good. And now someone is threatening it or something is threatening it. Is that seeking God's wisdom? Is that the way of life that that the father of Proverbs is is trying to compel his son to live? I I don't think it is. And I go back to to my daughter, I go back to children, and I see that same kind of anger, that same kind of, well, this, uh, I'm kind of uncomfortable with where this is pushing me. That's not how I want to live, rising up inside of us in all these instances. And I think it's because we're human beings. Whether we're two years old or 102, we are human beings. And in all of us, we have the same infection that started with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve took the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, deciding right then and there, I'm not going to live by God's wisdom. I can do it on my own. And forever fracturing that relationship. We are a piece of that. We are human beings. We are a part of that lineage where we wake up every day and kind of subconsciously, because of our sinful nature, go, I'm going to do this on my own. I've got this. I I got wisdom. I know how to live. I know what's right and wrong. I can do this. And what happens? Pain, anger, suffering, Things don't seem to go right. And we continually almost keep hitting our heads up against the wall and wondering, why aren't things changing? There's got to be a better way. Why is this falling apart? There's got to be a better way. And church, there is a better way. To lean not on our own understanding. But how do we do that? Well, we have to be teachable. We have to be teachable. And and what I mean by being teachable is being willing to admit my way may not be the right way. Being willing to admit admit that my wisdom is very short-sighted. My wisdom is flawed inherently because I am a human being who is limited and doesn't have all of history and time in scope. My way may not be the right way. Let's look at a story from Exodus that kind of displays what it means to be teachable almost perfectly. Exodus, if you remember, is the story of God delivering the people of Israel out of Egypt to the promised land. In between there, there's a lot of things that go on. 
after God uses Moses, calls Moses and says, you will be my leader, he sends Moses back to, to Egypt to go to Pharaoh, which is terrifying, right? To, to go to Pharaoh, the, the, a huge military leader and power, and say, hey, all of your workforce, all of your slaves, can we just, can we just go? Can you just let them go? Because we're, we're going to go out into the desert and worship the God who loves us and has called us. You can read how that goes in, in the first few chapters of Exodus. It's, it's a, a display of God's might and power as he sends plagues on Egypt to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. They go, they get to a sea, and again, Pharaoh changes his mind, chases him down. Moses parts the waters. Well, God parts the waters through Moses. There's event after event of God rescuing his people from the clutches of Egypt, from the clutches of hunger. He sends food and water. He rescues them from people who seek their destruction, other countries and kings. All of this has led up to this point in chapter 18. These are a people wandering in the desert, being led by Moses, who himself is being led by God. You can imagine the stories swirling around the people of Egypt. Not just internally, but externally. All of these stories spreading out like, hey, did you, did you hear what happened to Egypt? Yeah, this, this guy named Moses went there and basically destroyed them. And, and then he led these people to the Red Sea and apparently he parted the seas The fame of Moses and of Israel is growing exponentially with every single act of God. In chapter 18, it opens up with saying, hey, remember, Moses is married. He sends his wife and and two sons away back to his wife's father named Jethro. Jethro realizes their camp now. And Jethro's like, I'm going to go visit Moses. So he calls Moses and says, hey, I'm coming to visit. I'm bringing your wife and two sons. We're going to come visit you. And they do. They, they go. They find where Israel's camped out. And when Moses sees Jethro, he welcomes him in. He bows down and kisses Jethro's feet, which is an act of, of great reverence. Like, hey, welcome. You are, are greater than I is an act of bowing down and kissing the feet. And then they do something interesting. They, they go into the tent, it says. They go into Moses' house, eventually, essentially. And they begin to share stories. Moses tells Jethro all that has happened up to this point. And Jethro hears all of this wonderful, good things. And he goes, man, what an amazing God you serve. And he worships God. He offers sacrifices to God. And together they share a meal in in joy and wonder of who God is. Jethro plans to stay a few few days. And so after this great celebration uh, of of who God is and his goodness, uh, they wake up the next day. And Moses goes about his normal daily routine. He goes and he sits in his seat, essentially. He sits on kind of a, not really a throne, but he sits in a place where people can come to him with their disputes, 
with their uh, questions, with their questions about who God is and their law, and, and he's to sit there and listen to all of their complaints and offer judgment and wisdom. Now, remember, this isn't just like a small group of people. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people. Imagine the disputes that came up. There's a lot. Imagine the questions that came up. There's a lot. And so we we read this. We're going to start at verse 13. It says, The next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what what is this you're doing for the people? Why, Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and laws. Right? This, this is naturally what they would do. Right? Moses is ordained by God to be the leader of Israel. So naturally, they're going to go to Moses for wisdom. Right? If Moses is the leader, I'm going to go seek him out for my answers. From morning till evening, this goes on and on and on. And Jethro stands there and going, what are you doing? Moses is like, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to lead these people to answer their questions, to to turn them to God, to to offer God's decrees. And Moses' father-in-law replies this in verse 17. Moses' father-in-law said, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. Hold hold on a second. We read this and we're like, oh, that's so nice of Jethro. That's so sweet. What great advice. But, But again, who is Moses? Moses is the leader of the people of Israel who led the people out of Egypt through the waters of the Red Sea, through the desert, bringing them water, bringing them food. It would be like me walking into Jeff Bezos' office at Amazon and saying, hey, guess what? What you're doing here is not good. Or or let's bring it a little bit more locally. It'd be like me walking into Eric's office one day and being like, yeah, everything you've done, yeah, it's not good. All the routines you've set up, all all the things you do, it's not good. I think, well, obviously, Jeff Bezos would be like, who are you? Get out of my office. And I don't think we would blame Eric to be like, who are you to say that? You don't know what's going on. You don't know me. You don't know this community. How, How can you say these words? But, interestingly, that's not the response of Moses. Jethro offers the advice to say, hey, listen, I'm going to give you some advice. Take some well-respected men, men of character, and set them up as judges of hundreds and tens. 
so that they can settle the disputes in their own little clans, their own little family, their own family groups, so that you can focus on what is most important. God, telling the people about God. And if there's a dispute that that grows more and more and they just can't solve it themselves, then they can bring it to you, but spread out the work. Again, I am astounded by Moses' response in verse 24. It says, Moses listened and did everything his father-in-law suggested. He listened and did everything his father-in-law suggested. Moses displays the character, characteristic and character of teachability here perfectly. And here's why. Two principles that I think Moses lives by that allows him to be teachable, that allows him to admit my way is not the best way. I don't know everything, and my wisdom may not be the best wisdom. The first is Moses has a great and wonderful confidence in who he is. Not a pride, but a confidence. A confidence in who he is in the God he loves. Moses knows who he is. If you go back to when God first encounters Moses at the bush, Moses knows who he is. Moses says, I can't do this. Who am I to do this? In Moses' mind, he's a murderer. He, He sees one day a slave of Egypt being treated horribly, and out of anger, he reacts and kills the Egyptian slave owner. In his mind, he's a murderer, but even more than that, he's a murderer who fled and is nobody in the desert, and a murderer who's nobody in the desert who stutters and can't speak well. But he also knows what God can do. Moses didn't forget who he was. He didn't forget that he's a murderer. He didn't forget that he he can't speak well. He didn't forget... But he does remember what God did through him. He remembers the God that led him to Egypt. He remembers the God that sent the plagues. He remembers the God that empowers him to do what he is called to do. He's confident, not in his own abilities, but in the abilities of God to use him. This means when when someone comes and says, you're not doing it right, his confidence isn't completely destroyed because it's not based on him. Everything he does is not based on him because he knows it's not him that's doing any of it. It's God who's doing it. So principle number one of being teachable is grounding ourselves in this truth. You are loved by God. And there is nothing you can do, nothing that can separate us, nor height, nor depth, nothing in all of creation that can separate us from the love of God. There's a saying that I saw recently that was just a great reminder. You've done a million things to make God forget you, and yet he hasn't. I know who I am. 
I know my own insecurities. I know my own failures. And yet God chooses to use me to do things like this, to speak to you. If I have confidence that God can use me, even me, in all of my brokenness, then when things begin to change, it may hurt, it may make me question what is going on, but I can have confidence that it's all going to work out. It's principle number one. Have a confidence in the God who loves you and has empowered you to live in his purpose. And principle number two that Moses listened, or does well here is listen. If we have confidence in Christ in us who desires us and wants us to grow and live and change and be transformed into his likeness, it allows us to listen and to listen well. To listen, not only, well, listen. The, the word here for listen is the word shema. Shema is not just hearing something, right? Like you can hear sounds all the time, but when you listen to something, you are taking an action. It takes action to listen. It takes effort to listen. It takes investment to listen. And so Moses here listens to his father-in-law. We, because we are confident in Christ in us, who empowers us to live according to him, who empowers us to grow, can listen not only to his spirit when he challenges us, because he certainly will, because he desires for us to grow, but also to listen to the world around us. When a virus comes and flips our world upside down, it, that spirit allows us to say, man, this, this is not fun. But, but what are you trying to teach me here, God? What are you trying to teach us? It also allows us to listen to our brothers and sisters in Christ. It allows us to listen to our neighbors it allows us to listen to anyone who says, hey, what you're doing is not right. There may be a better way. Yes, even when that criticism, even when that critique comes in a nasty and hurtful way, that doesn't mean there may not be a grain of truth in it. And what that spirit of God that says, I, I, I am just a human being. And yet God chooses to live in me and use me. What that does is saying, man, that, those words hurt, but I can listen to the truth behind them. 2020 was not a fun year for any of us at all, <laughs> including me. To be frank, I thought 2020 was going to be an awesome year. I graduated in May of 2020 from seminary. Sweet, awesome. I expected to, you know, walk across the stage in my gown and grab the diploma of my Master's of Divinity and be super excited. Nope. That didn't happen. And in 2020, by my own choice and the choice of me and my wife through prayer, we decided to step away from youth ministry. And I expected to end youth ministry well, to end with the great celebrations at the end of the education year, to end in a mission trip. Yeah, that didn't work out. 
And there was a job that I so desperately wanted to, to have, a job I, I felt that would be awesome and amazing and good for me and my family and for the church. That, that didn't happen. And now my wife and I find ourselves often asking, what is going on? I, I don't understand what I thought was good and right, what I thought was good and, and, and right for not only me, but for many other people. Why? Why didn't that work out? Why didn't that work? In my wisdom, this should have gone right. But all Danielle and I can do is to listen to our lessons from over the year, to listen to the Spirit and say, it's because it wasn't God's will. And as hard and as painful as that was, and still is, and will always be, for now and forever as I follow Christ, it's not my will. It's his. And I must be teachable. I must be willing to admit that. That my will, it's not his will all the time. That my will is not his will all the time. My will may not be the way to life in Christ. And so I must hold confidence that even if I fail, even if my will does not align, that does not take me away from the love of Christ, and therefore I'm going to listen to the Spirit as it moves in me, as it moves around me, as it moves through my brothers and sisters, as they ultimately seek the best for me. If we are to grow in leaning and not on our own wisdom, in seeking his wisdom, in fearing the Lord so that we can have life and nourishment in our bones. We have to be willing to admit, my will and my way is probably not the best will and the best way. We have to be teachable. We have to be people who are confident not in our own abilities, but in the ability of the one who lives within us in Jesus Christ. Listening for where the Spirit leads us and guides us. Pray with me. God, we've, we've all been through a year. That's to say the least. A year filled with so many questions. A year filled with so many things that seem right and good, being flipped upside down and taken from us. And as we get ready for a new year, there's something inside of us that knows this will continue. That knows we will continually run into places where things seem right and good and yet they do not happen. So help us to realize that what seems right and good to us may not be what's best for us. May not lead us to life in the fullest. A life that is step in step with you. Transformed into the likeness of Christ, the ultimate human being. 
may we be a people who are teachable. Willing to admit and to know when my way is not the best. To know that my will is not always your will. Willing to listen to you and others who are speaking through you. Leading us ever closer to your wisdom and your will for us as individuals and as a community and as a church. We thank you for for a love that never leaves us and a love we can be confident in. Though we feel like failures, though we feel incapable, though we try to hide and shield ourselves from change and pain, you do not change and will never leave us. May we go in that spirit, confident only in you, Confident that your wisdom, your wisdom, will lead us to life, life in Christ. Amen. Well, Foundry Church, I thank you for the opportunity to to grow and learn with you. Because as I said, I am growing and learning right alongside of you after a tough year. And I am in a season now where I have to listen. I'm being forced to listen and being forced to lean not on my own understanding. And not on my own desires, but on his. And so I I ask that you challenge yourself to do the same. To do the work to remind yourself that Christ loves you and is with you and will never change and seeks the best for you. So follow his will by listening to his spirit as he speaks to you through the word and through others. Make sure to test the words of others. Make sure to listen to the Spirit as as others speak to you because there may be advice that is from God. There may be advice that isn't of God. But we have the opportunity to be teachable. The opportunity to be flexible in a way that says, not my will, but yours. So let us listen together to the Holy Spirit as he guides us now and forevermore because of the love of Jesus Christ in you. Friends, what a wonderful gift that is. So now go with that confidence and go in peace.